0: Welcome to Montrose Podcast, the official podcast of Montrose School here in Medfield, Massachusetts, where girls are called to greatness. I'm your host, Mary cahill Farella, and I'm very happy that you can join us. Maybe you're an avid supporter of Montrose, a current parent or a friend of the school. Or maybe you're new to Montrose, an independent school for girls in grades 6 through 12, inspired by the teachings of the Catholic Church. Here, young women achieve academic excellence in a rich, liberal arts environment by developing enduring habits of mind, heart, and character. Thanks for joining us as we explore topics that highlight the power of a Montrose education and how it affects the world around us. NPR issued its podcast challenge again this year, and Barbara Whitlock's AP Language and Composition class at Montrose once again answered the call. Earlier this year, these juniors chose the topic of breaking racial barriers through courageous conversations. It resonates in an amazingly timely way with the extreme racial tensions we're currently experiencing as a nation.
1: Whenever you don't know people, you dismiss them in a group, right? And so, whether that's oriented toward racism or whether it's hatred of all police. It's the same problem of the heart that dismisses the unique dignity of millions of people who have stories to share, who have unique dimensions to them into a group that you can dismiss. And it's, it's a problem of the heart and it needs to be cured at the level of the heart.
0: That's Barbara Whitlock, coordinator of both the English and humanities departments here at Montrose School. Hear what Barbara has to say about the times we're living in and how she shepherds her students through them, reaching beyond the limits of both the classroom and the curriculum. Barbara Whitlock, thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to talk to you again, Mary. These times we're living through seem to get more and more punctuated with the inconceivable. What are your thoughts as we wake up to more events of racial unrest all over the U.S. and really all over the world? Well, recently,
1: we watched a police officer kneel on the neck of Mr. Floyd, and we watched him die. As other police officers were nearby and did not intervene, we hear stories all the time, too many of them to recount, of questionable deaths in the pursuit of alleged criminals um this summer we heard about or this spring we heard about a jogger who was shot down by a father and son in georgia and you're just left wondering why what causes these abuses of power this disregard for the lives of those with darker skin colors and um i think You know, the the other side of it is the rage, and rage often shows fear, right? So what are people afraid of? What are they angry about? And what do you do about the practical, real problems, and then the problems of the heart that underlie all these problems? And that's where I've been thinking a lot this weekend, especially in light of the studies my AP Lang class did and the podcast they submitted to the NPR podcast challenge. So tell me how that came about. Well, I added a new unit to the AP Lang class this year. um, And we read um, many books. Um, We read uncle Tom's cabin. We read Frederick Douglass's narrative. We read um, their eyes are watching God and countless other pieces that we read. They all, students also chose a more modern um, novel written by an African-American author. And um, we just sort of expanded the number of stories. Our goal was um, to look at the problem of the single story narrative. When you don't know people as unique individuals, you look for a way to clump them together in a category and that diminishes their dignity and their humanity. And the only way to break that is to expand the stories and to recognize their dignity. Um, And that's what we began the process of doing. And then my students wanted to expand this dialogue with themselves, with their stories, their experiences, and some in our community.
0: And how did you help them grapple with you know those issues. And then now I'm sure you're in discussion with them still about these current events.
1: Yes. I started an email with the, um, the 11th graders I taught in AP Lang and AP U.S. History this weekend saying, you know, this is a safe place to talk about what you're thinking and you're feeling, to give us a pause for reflection so we can, you know, reflect as a group I know that teens are all over social media. They're posting nonstop about this. And I just thought, what? as adults, we have to enter into this conversation with them. We have to help them think through it. We have to help them frame it. We have to empower their voice and also maybe guide and you know add some dimensions to help them refine their thinking. Because the goal is not to stay stuck at emotional reactivity. We see what that looks like all over. Um, And the goal is to add reflection so that we can rethink what's right, what's the next step.
0: And when you tell them this is a safe space and and your feelings can be aired here, are you sharing with them in kind your perspective on your feelings about what's going on?
1: 100%. um, I was very open about, you know, my, I have sort of a double lens here. My husband's African-American. He has, you know, he grew up in segregation and he has definitely had some, you know, experiences of being targeted. He's well schooled in this. He knows how to walk up to police officers, introduce himself and in his credentials and break their single story narrative. Um, Much to my dismay, my husband never goes one mile over any speed limit, and it's a different experience for him than it is for me moving about in the world.
0: Well, I think your your vulnerability and authenticity sharing your real-life experience with your students, not only are you just a wonderful mentor to them, but I think it makes you even more accessible and more human to them.
1: That's, you know, and I I think that that's what we were, our whole goal was that, like, you know, Aristotle says that what distinguishes human beings is our ability to communicate. And that root word cum in Latin with is the same root word as community. So how do we build community, but through conversation? And those conversations start with each of us and that's the journey that my AP 11th grade AP lang class was on this year that's the journey they continue to be on one of my students wrote in end of year comments that she felt that this class wasn't finished that it opened a door to more conversation and the fact that you know school's over their college essays getting submitted today but our conversations continue is great testimony for that
2: when you think of each person as an individual, like worthy of dignity, I think it, it makes race like a part of them instead of something that like kind of pokes, puts them into a box, like it makes them more of who they are and I think by like understanding race and understanding their background and stuff, it makes you be able to appreciate their dignity more.
0: Now we'll hear from Mrs. Whitlock's AP Language and Composition students as they reflect on submitting their project, Breaking Racial Barriers Through Courageous Conversations, for NPR's podcast challenge. So where did the the concept of your single, single narrative story start?
3: It started with a TED Talk that we listened to in class. And the TED Talk was given by a Nigerian writer named Chimamanda Adichie and she talked about how people often made assumptions about her because of her race, but she also recognized that she made assumptions about other people based on their backgrounds. So she explained that we're all we're all guilty
1: of the single story narrative. So we took Adichie's charge directly by saying, read stories that expand the circumference of your knowledge, in addition to encountering individuals. So maybe you guys want to talk about some of the different stories you read, and how that changed your perspective.
4: Yeah, so we read um, three books for our race unit. One was Uncle Tom's Cabin. One was The Narrative Life of Frederick Douglass. And one was a free choice book that we picked from a list. And one of the things we talked about with Uncle Tom's Cabin that we recorded for the podcast that ended up having to cut was like, is it, like a lot of people don't read it anymore because there are a lot of like kind of negative racial attitudes in it that are, you know, a product of the time it came out. So we kind of had a discussion like, is it, worth reading it to get the historical significance of, like, what it meant at the time, or is it negative because it perpetuates, like, you know, racial stereotypes and things, and we had a really good discussion about that. Maybe you guys want to see what you said?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we mentioned how um, there is sometimes this stereotype that uh, the, the slaves, especially in the example of Uncle Tom, are really gentle and, like, childlike, and... That to us can seem can make us really outraged because we're thinking that doesn't that doesn't respect someone's dignity that doesn't elevate every person to being equal with every other person. But what we discovered is that um, that the reason for that was to make sure that people didn't think that just because of someone being African American that they were going to be more violent or that people needed to fear the slaves when they were free, and it would make people want them as members of the community because slaves in the such as the example of Uncle Tom. Um, weren't going to cause violence, but instead were really, like, gentle and kind people. So it was important for us to understand the meaning behind some of the words and also recognizing that there is some racism there. Mm. Yeah, I think that um,
4: reading the the story outweighed the negative
5: aspects of, like, racial stereotypes, like Lucy said. Um, I, I just think that it's more important to come face-to-face with it and not back away from race. Yeah,
6: I agree. And I also think it was great that when we read it, we were able to discuss it with our classmates. um, Because we're just high schoolers. We're not these experts on any, like, we're not an expert in history or on racial history in America or anything like that. We're just high schoolers who are coming of age or during a time when race is a very important part of our discussions. So I thought that it was great that we could just get to know this piece of history. I know you um, mentioned in our original discussion that we ended up taking out of the podcast um, that Abraham Lincoln basically said that um, Uncle Tom's Cabin helped contribute to the start of the Civil War because of how impactful the book was for the entire nation. And, you know, our literature is a really good indication of um, where any given society is at in a given era. Um, and Uncle Tom's Cabin was a part of a, I don't know, like indescribably important era of our nation. So getting to read it with our classmates, getting to discuss um, the different racial stereotypes that are included and things like that, it really changed the game for our discussion.
4: We got to explore 20th century literature and it was really great to think about things that now even go into the 21st century. um, For example, Mavis and I read The Other Westmore written by Westmore. It's this incredible story about two Westmores same first name and last name that grew up a few blocks from each other in the projects in Baltimore and when he shares all of the experiences it's very eye opening because one of them the Westmore who's writing the book um, he ends up going to West Point and becoming very achieved man working like with the white house and the other Westmore ends up in prison for life and he ends up finding about this and he goes and interviews the other Westmore and It's so eye-opening because I think for me, as a person of color, I share lots of experiences with other people of color, but an economic struggle is not something that I understand. And it was so eye-opening to understand this privilege and this whole entire other world that I had never even thought about.
5: The importance of the podcast was not to like learn like learn a bunch of new things and then put it into the podcast but like learn those things and then talk about what we learned from the experience which is kind of what we did and I think that was the point of the 10 minutes I, I wholeheartedly agree
4: I really think that even going into AP like when I was signing up at the end of sophomore year and I saw that there was a big civics unit and race unit I was terrified and I was I went home and I was like mom I don't know if I want to sign up for this class because I've gone to predominantly white schools my entire life and I was scared. I was like, I'm just gonna be the kid that gets looked at again. And going into it now, it's honestly been like the most significant experience I mantras. Like I've formed deep bonds with so many of my classmates that I didn't think I would have. and it's honestly just like changed my entire
1: view. By reading the literature and exploring other people's stories, not only did they come to the decision that we need to show moral courage in conversations, that we need to have courageous conversations with people to honor their dignity and to grow as a community, but they actually did it. They practiced that
0: and they experienced that effect. To conclude this episode, here is this year's Montrose AP Language and Composition Classes Honorary Mentioned Submission to the NPR Podcast Challenge, Breaking Racial Barriers Through Courageous Conversations. It includes an original musical composition by junior Andrea Rodriguez Gomez, created especially for the project.
2: How
5: do you feel when you've been misunderstood, hurt, angry, disrespected, boxed in, frustrated, embarrassed, upset, restricted, bitter,
4: vulnerable?
3: Our junior class has explored the issue of race through novels, interviews, and discussions amongst ourselves and in our school community. We've discovered that the crux of racial prejudice stems from limiting ourselves to a single-story narrative. By exploring a diverse range of experiences, we want to break that narrative.
6: As a class, we decided to sit down and have a conversation together about the issue of racism. Our teacher was outside the room. There were no right or wrong answers. We just wanted to talk. We've included pieces of our conversation here.
4: Does anyone have any stories they'd like to share about maybe a time that they misunderstood someone? Because I think that's a really big part of this discussion is realizing that through yourself, not everyone has bad intentions. Most people have good intentions because we all do things like that. I'm just wondering if anyone has anything they'd like to share.
3: Soon enough, we were able to open up about personal experiences and talk about how racism undermines a person's individual identity and uniqueness.
4: When people first see me, they see that I'm Asian, and they always see that Asians are really good at math, and they kind of, I've always been behind that box throughout my whole life.
6: We also discovered that talking about racism is something that doesn't happen often enough. In friendships and classroom environments, people feel afraid to take a risk and potentially say something wrong that could hurt another person. So, the solution is to avoid talking about race at all.
3: But this is the foundational issue of the single story narrative. When we fail to connect with others about their racial identity and personal experiences, we become subject to the single story narrative, which is often shaped by general stereotypes and assumptions about certain ethnicities or backgrounds. It is essential to take the risk to get to know other people and their racial identity in order to break the single story narrative.
4: My race is part of my identity and when someone makes assumptions of that, that kind of reduces my identity.
3: After our class discussion, we decided to interview members of our community to gain more insights and stories from a variety of racial backgrounds.
6: We had the chance to interview Mr. Ken Whitlock, who has taught as a history teacher for over 30 years at Middlesex School in Concord, Massachusetts, one of the top 16 prep schools in the nation. Mr. Whitlock grew up in Richmond, Virginia under segregation. He was part of early efforts to integrate schools, following the state's campaign of massive resistance to the Brown versus Board of Education decision in 1954.
3: People assume that being an African American, that I'm a, a follow of liberal politics. I'm, I'm not. You know, I'm a conservative and and a principled, you know, conservative. And I respect everyone's political views. I'm, I'm a Southerner by by birth and. And I've lived up here for many decades in the Boston area. I feel this strong kinship with, uh, with Virginia in the South. That's part of my identity. And when I go, go back there, I just feel back home.
6: Mr. Whitlock taught us how important it is to learn the backstory of the people we meet, when our relationships with others are grounded in a single story narrative, we choose to only skim over their individual thoughts and experiences. These generalizations and labels hurt and restrict people, withholding them from their personal opinion. In order to fix this, we must talk with others about their unique heritage and personal story. Here are some more insights we shared during our class conversation.
3: Does anyone think that it's more harmful to? avoid a subject altogether, or more harmful to take the risk of bringing it up and then hurting
4: someone? I definitely think that it's more harmful not to bring it up. Some people in our culture decide this idea of colorblindness, where they do not see color at all, but personally, I believe that we should see color and we should embrace that and embrace the equality, but by completely eliminating it, you get rid of all that beauty and all that diversity, and that's what makes our culture, especially in the United States, so incredible. And I really do think if you have the right intentions, if you're bringing up something that may be uncomfortable or you might misunderstand to someone else, as long as you two can connect on those good intentions and on being fully vulnerable with each other, no one's going to get hurt.
5: One time I felt really understood when, I think I was in like middle school, a teacher said, they were like, Oh, your last name ends in I A N. Is that Armenian? And I was like, Yeah it is. Like how did you know that? And they were like, Oh yeah, I know that, like, that's a thing. And I was I felt like so like, wow, that's so cool that someone else knows that and it's not just some random thing that's like, oh, only a few people know, or it's just a weird thing that no one really cares about. But.
4: for sure. And I think that from of view of a person of color when someone asks me specifically and a lot of people will be afraid and they'll kind of be like I don't want to be rude like I don't know if this is going to come off the wrong way but like what are you? I get really excited because that gives me an opportunity to talk about my culture and I'm so proud of my culture and I feel like so many people can relate to that whether you're a person of color or not you want to share that with other people like maybe was saying so I get really excited when someone gives me that opportunity to share that with them so I definitely think it's a thing that everyone should just go for if they really are curious about that if you want to get to know someone
2: and I think that really helps solve the nervousness or like the worry problem because it really comes down to like do you care enough to ask about what race this person is or how or what's their backstory or like what's their family like and that really matters so much more than getting everything perfect and and saying the right thing and I think it all goes back to like care and like respecting everyone's dignity.
6: How did it feel to have a conversation today like this, like just opening up with people our age in our classroom talking about huge issues like race, like how did you feel to just openly have a conversation about it?
3: Free. I knew that I could say something and people would listen and they wouldn't get mad at me for saying it because it's what we're talking about.
5: I think, yeah, I think it was important because like we're gonna, we're like a rising generation and our opinions are gonna shape the world so if we, I mean, we're gonna influence it so it's good that we have these positive mindsets. I felt like um, this conversation was mature. We all had to be kind of
6: vulnerable to talk about this. Just because it's so unusual for us, which it shouldn't be. Yeah, I felt vulnerable at first. Like I was like, no, I'm not gonna say anything really, but I feel like I don't know, I feel so much more
2: strong now. I think I gained so much knowledge and respect for each person individually, because it kind of like goes to the fact that everyone's stories are so important and I just didn't know a ton of things about different people. I definitely agree with that. I think like
4: much everyone cares to hear your stories but also finding almost surprisingly how much you care to hear about everyone else's stories it really brings so much respect for these other people but also as a community like I feel so close to like each and every one of you but also like it makes me want to feel like really proud it does make me feel proud to say like this is my class like this is a part of these people that I'm like a part of you know so that's pretty cool
6: What's one word to describe how you felt when you were really understood by someone?
4: Amazed. Respected. Valued. Safe. Accepted. Excited. (laughs) Grateful.
6: In the end, the question comes down to this. Will we choose to be cautious or bold? To remain silent or speak up? It is the task of each and every one of us to look inside ourselves and our communities to find ways that we can help solve the issue of racism. How can you take risks to connect with others in a more personal sense with their racial identity? How can you help to break the single story narrative?
0: host, Mary cahill Farella and I want to thank you for joining us for this important conversation. A special thanks to Barbara Whitlock and her AP Language and Composition class for sharing their work and their reflections with us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Montrose Podcast. Please subscribe so that you'll be the first to know about future episodes and share the podcast with your friends and family. If you'd like to donate to Montrose Podcast, your gift will go directly to tuition assistance, a critical part of our mission to keep a Montrose education accessible. Thank you for doing your part to plant the seeds of lifelong Montrose friendships and ensure that each Montrose graduate takes with her a life compass to navigate the challenges beyond Montrose and seize opportunities to shape our changing world.